This episode is very graphic. It is not intended for anyone under 18 years of age. Listener discretion is highly advised. This podcast is sponsored by O's. O's is a premium disposable flavored vape. It comes in 12 delicious flavors and all ingredients are made in the United States. I'm personally in love with the lemon tart. It's practically always in my hand. If you vape and have not tried O's yet, you can head on over to letsoz.com. That's L-E-T-S-O-Z-E.com. You can order now and use my promo code HARMONY and get 30% off your order. Again, that's O's.com, promo code HARMONY. This episode is sponsored by Doom & Groom. Doom & Groom are a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. Their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe, keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. All of their products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use my code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off your purchase. Once again, that is doomandgroom.net, promo code HARMONYDOOM. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome to What the Actual F. If this is your first time tuning in, hi, I'm Harmony, the host here. On this podcast, every week I will come here and tell you some true crime, conspiracies, hauntings, spooky stories, and sometimes stuff that I just find kind of humorous. If that sounds like something you're into, then go ahead and stick around, because this episode is a real treat. For those of you who have already been listeners to the podcast for quite some time, welcome back, sweetheart. It's so great to have you. But for many of you, you follow me on my social media, and you know that I live in Florida. So you guys know, right? You know that I had to do it. That's right. This week's episode is all about Florida Man. Florida. (laughs) Here we go. The ocean's bounty will provide us. I come from a long line of Floridians in distress. Those gorgeous jet skiers flashing me, all right? Whoa. Really hard to be me. That's the honest truth. Florida, what is there to say about this state, except for the fact that it is absolutely hell's waiting room, the basement of the U.S., and home to Florida, man? If the heat... The humidity, the drivers, and the alligators do not keep you away, well, Florida man just may. It never fails that at least several times a week we will see headlines scattered all over the internet, all over the news, about Florida man. It seems as though, no matter what, Florida man has become quite the headline. Tonight's top story, Florida man drowning in pina colada saved by a hotel lifeguard. Recovery team for a private space company got more than they bargained for today after a satellite crashed through the roof of a local Florida man. In a twist, the police have confiscated weapons. Anxious to see how this plays out, I'm Matt Muckabee, live in Dade County. Florida man robs a local restaurant with snake. Flees scene. Florida man hosts Gator Watch Party where a neighbor loses a thumb. Really? This happened? Let's go ahead and dive into our very first Florida man. Florida man caught on camera licking doorbell. In a video from Lake Worth, Florida, recorded at around 6 a.m. on January 24th, a man is seen standing outside the homeowner's front door before leaning in to lick the video doorbell several times. Not just one time, I don't even know why one time happened, but several times. 
The man is also holding what appears to be a stack of newspapers or even possibly a phone book and pauses for a few seconds to point at various sections of what he's holding. Though it's not clear what he was trying to actually point out, he leans in for a few licks of the doorbell before he decides to just, you know, turn around and walk away. You're probably wondering, well, what the fuck was the homeowner doing at this time? Well, she was in her bed and uh, received a notification on her iPad that there was a motion at her front door. Now, the homeowner went on to say that the doorbell liquor used to actually live in their neighborhood, but is now homeless and maybe suffering from some mental health issues. He is someone, quote, police encounter on a frequent basis, according to Edgar Marley, a public information officer for the Village of Palm Springs Police Department. Now, when the man was asked about this incident, you know, hey, what you doing going around looking some doorbells? He said, oh, it's no worries. I'm actually friends with those people. So totally normal. The event ended up being recorded as a suspicious incident. However, the man faced no charges. The funniest thing about this is in the article about this doorbell liquor, there is a quote that says, Florida is weird, but I don't think we have any doorbell licking statutes. So <laughs> this is definitely a new one. The homeowner went on record and said, I'm very glad I made the decision to install the system. You never know who may be licking your doorbell. Listen, don't go licking doorbells. You guys, people's hands touch those things and I'm gonna be real with you, like half of you motherfuckers don't wash your hands. Don't put your mouth where it shouldn't be. Let's move along to the next one. Along with bug eating, it was, just happened to be a freak accident. It's making global headlines right now. A bizarre story of a local man who died after eating cockroaches during a contest. Oh yeah, yeah, you, you heard that correctly. In October of 2012, a 32-year-old man downed dozens of roaches and worms with the hopes that he could win an $800 python at a Florida reptile store. After this, he ended up collapsing and died outside minutes later. Edward Archibald was among 20 to 30 contestants participating in this Midnight Madness event at Ben Siegel Reptiles in Deerfield Beach. Why can't a Midnight Madness be anything but eating roaches and worms? I mean, come on, that's disgusting. So the participants' goal was actually to consume as many insects and worms as they could in order to take home an $850 python. I don't give a shit how badly I want something. I am not going to put a fucking roach in my mouth. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Step back and think I'm going to vomit. Now, Archibald swallowed roach after roach, worm after worm. While the store doesn't know exactly how many bugs and worms he consumed, the owner told CNN affiliate WPLG that he was, quote, the life of the party. He went on to say, he really made our night more fun. This is from Ben Siegel, the owner of the reptile store. Shortly after the contest ended, Archibald fell, became ill, and started vomiting. This is when a friend of his called for medical help. Then Archibald himself even dialed 911. Eventually, an ambulance got there, took him to North Broward Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead. Now, no other contestants involved in this got sick at all. I don't know how, because it's fucking nasty. 
Luke Leroux, who was the uh, store's legal representative at the time, made a post on their Facebook and said that all participants signed thorough waivers, accepted all responsibility for their participation in what is considered a unique and unorthodox contest. I'm sorry, unique and unorthodox? No, 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 my dear Luke, no, no. That is what we call just plain nasty. Luke went on to say, the consumption of insects is widely accepted throughout the world, and the insects presented as part of the contest were taken from an inventory of insects that are safely and domestically raised in a controlled environment as food for reptiles. Oh, hold on, hold on. As food for reptiles. For reptiles being the key word in that statement, Mr. Luke. Any hoozles. Now, let me be clear on something. Cockroaches themselves don't transmit disease, though many disease-causing organisms can grow and multiply in their guts and can be deposited during defecation. The bottom line here, what I'm going to take away from this, is no matter how badly you may want a snake, don't eat the roaches. Now, excuse me while I go throw up. Only on Five, a story that thousands of you have been sharing from our Facebook page all night. In fact, at this hour, almost 2,000 people have shared this story today. A 24-year-old man, this man right here, accused of throwing an alligator through a drive through window. Gators are everywhere in Florida, but it's not very often you see one in a Wendy's. Alligators have been used for many things, like shoes, briefcases, university mascots, ah, Florida gators, and uh, lunch. But now it's been used as a deadly weapon. In 2016, a Florida man who was 24 at the time by the name of Joshua James was arrested and charged with assault with a deadly weapon without intent to kill. Florida fish and wildlife conservation officials say that he threw a three and a half foot alligator through a Palm Beach County Wendy's drive through window in October of that year. He was also charged with illegally possessing an alligator and petty theft. He was released on a $6,000 bail and was ordered to have no contact with animals. Wildlife officer Nicholas Gorin said in his report that Joshua drove up to the window at around 1.20 in the morning on October 11th. After an employee handed Joshua his drink, he then threw the alligator through the window and just drove off. Okay. Do you want to play rough? Okay. No. Say hello to my little friend. Now, nobody was hurt in the incident and the alligator ended up being captured and put back out into the wild. According to Joshua, he found the alligator on the side of the road and put it in his truck. His mother, Linda James, told WPTV that her son's actions were, quote, a stupid prank. He does stuff like this because he thinks it's funny. According to her, she says that he meant no harm and, quote, had no problem turning himself in. Uh, I don't know about that. I think he actually was like tracked down and arrested. I don't know about him turning himself in, but he did admit that, you know, he threw a gator in Wendy's. Also, there was video surveillance, so it's not like he could deny it. What did the Wendy's worker say when he threw that gator? Um, I don't know. He took off. I think uh, one of the guys in the car just heard her scream. Joshua, you sound like a real peach. This man from Vero Beach admits he was drinking behind the wheel, but only at stop signs. Earl Stevens Jr. told deputies he would only sip his Jim Beam bourbon when he was at a red light or a stop sign. He was booked into the Indian River County Jail. 
In 2018, we were greeted by the news with Florida man tells deputies he wasn't drinking while driving, just at stop signs. Now, I don't know where you hail from or where you're currently residing, but in every state in America, you cannot drink while you're driving. That doesn't mean some states don't have open containers because I know when I was up in Connecticut, you could ride around with alcohol as long as you were not the driver. I have no idea if that state still has that same law. All I know is when I was in my 20s and I went out there, the first thing my friend did was hand me a beer when I got in the car and I about freaked out. I was like, excuse me, I don't want to go to jail today. Thanks though. Oh wait. And he looked at me and he's like, um, it's completely legal. Enjoy. I just sat there for like five minutes. Like, I don't, I don't think so. This doesn't feel right. Whatever, fuck it. And it, it was legal. It was absolutely legal. I had to look it up. You know, Google was around at this time. And it was legal. Again, I don't know now, and I'm not going to Google it. You can. However, in Indian River County, Florida, after a Florida man was pulled over with a bottle of bourbon in the front seat, he told deputies that he wasn't drinking while driving. No, no, no. You got it wrong. I was only drinking at the, uh, the traffic lights and the stop signs. So technically, my car was not in motion. <laughs> oh, God, the logic. Earl Stevens Jr., who was 69 at the time, was arrested in Vero Beach after a woman called 911 on him. According to this woman, the vehicle behind her kept hitting her rear bumper while in a McDonald's drive through line. Eventually, deputies tracked down Stevens, and when they pulled him over, they noticed a bottle of liquor on the passenger seat. Now again, this is in Florida. It is very much illegal to have any sort of open container within the driver's reach. If you are going to drive around with already opened alcohol, it should be in your trunk. That way, you cannot be accused that you are drinking while driving. According to deputies, they say that he smelled of alcohol and told them that he felt, quote, pretty good. Now, he went on to tell deputies that he was only sipping his Jim Beam bourbon from the bottle when he was at stop signs and uh, also stop lights. He further explained that he was not drinking while the car was technically moving. According to deputies as well, Earl has never had a valid Florida license. He was then arrested on charges of DUI and driving without a license. After he was taken into jail, his blood alcohol content was measured at 0.153 and 0.147. The legal limit, by the way, is 0.08. What? Why? Why do you, What the hell? Why? You, you, why are we in here? It's rude to the, the other people. You're drunk. You're sexy. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and keep this shit show rolling. Say a Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Some people dream of an ATM offering up a little bit more money than you originally asked for, especially if it's not coming from your account. But it appears that not everyone feels that way. On November 29th in 2017, a man from Marriott Island, Florida was charged with criminal mischief for allegedly attacking a Wells Fargo ATM in Cocoa, Florida, after the machine gave him, quote, too much money. Michael Joseph Alexic, who was 23 at the time, allegedly cost $5,000 in damages during this incident. This was all captured, by the way, on surveillance video. Yeah, that's right. ATMs have cameras, just in case you didn't know. Michael was arrested after bank officials realized the extent of the damages. Now get this, he actually called the bank apologetically and said that he punched the ATM because he was, quote, 
angry that the ATM was giving him too much money and he did not know what to do. I don't think punching is the answer. Maybe call somebody, maybe do anything but break the machine. Now, his reason besides the fact that it was just spewing out too much money, he said that he was in a rush to get to work and uh, he just didn't know what to do. He was kind of freaking out, so he got angry. He did apologize for the damage, but he was still arrested. All right, put yourself in his position for a minute. You're on your way to work, you stop and get some money, but this ATM all of a sudden starts giving you hundreds of dollars, not what you asked for. Are you gonna punch the machine? Are you gonna get all kinds of angry and then call the bank and apologize? No, probably not. I know some of you would just drive off with that money, but the correct logical thing to do is immediately let the bank know. If it's closed, call somebody, get a hold of somebody, but don't, don't hit the machine, don't steal the money because it's all gonna come back to you. That's, that's the moral of this story. Let's keep going, I got more of these. This man driving a car impersonating a police cruiser. He even tried to make a traffic stop on I-4 in Hillsborough County. Unfortunately for him, the driver he stopped was an off-duty deputy. In 2019, a Florida man was busted for posing as a cop when he tried to pull over an actual detective. Matthew Joseph Aris, who was 26 at the time, was arrested after he, quote, decided to play cop. This was in Plant City, Florida, and how he pulled this off was by installing fake squad lights on his SUV. Authorities said a clueless heiress turned on the red and blue lights on his 2007 Chevrolet Trailblazer to stop the car in front of him. The driver, however, was an undercover Hillsborough County Sheriff's detective in an unmarked car. You done goofed. Now, instead of pulling over, the detective who was in the unmarked car called 911 dispatchers to report Eris's vehicle. This is when deputies did a real traffic stop on Eris. According to the sheriff's office, they said, quote, they found an airsoft pistol under his passenger seat. Eris was then charged with impersonating an officer and then released on a $2,000 bail. Florida, <laughs> it's never ceasing to amaze me. On a real note, they were reaching out to try to find out any victims that may have come in contact with this false cop of sorts. I can hear it now. Just follow me to the sheriff's office down this poorly lit side street. <laughs> I'll show you my credentials. Seems legit. I think we can all agree, so far these cases are kind of humorous, but this next one is no laughing matter. Now, I couldn't find a news brief on this. I couldn't find any news coverage except for articles of this one. In 2020, a Florida woman escaped 48 hours of hell that included sexual torture. How did this woman find herself in a terrifying situation? Well, let me explain to you how a chance encounter with fugitives ended in something out of a horror movie. The victim, a 39-year-old woman, went to visit her friend on Saturday, August 29th in 2020. Her friend was having a couple of guests there, and uh, they seemed normal enough, so the unsuspecting Florida woman settled in for a night with her friends. She then volunteered to pick up takeout for the group, and when she came back, the evening took a gruesome turn. 
She remembers that her female assailant, Alexis Crawford, tried to restrain her with zip ties. Since Crawford was under 5 feet tall and weighed over 100 pounds, the woman could overtake her. To be fair, I kind of get that. I'm 5 feet tall and weigh like 92 pounds. You could probably overtake me, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to hurt you. I'm a little feisty. Okay, anyways, back to the story. According to reports, someone in the house may have witnessed the Florida woman's torture. Likely, it was the mutual friend that let the couple stay in her house. However, she did not report the crime to police because the couple, well, they threatened her. So even though the Florida woman did overtake Alexis, the male assailant, Christian White, stepped in and subdued her. He zip-tied her legs in order to do this. For the next 48 hours, Crawford and White zip-tied their victim, drugged her, cut her, pinched her, and burned her. They even went so far as to severely sexually abuse her. I cannot imagine what this woman is even having to deal with to this day because that kind of torment, torture, and trauma, it really leaves a mark on you. According to WCJB, Crawford and White allowed their victim to call her son several times so that no one would be suspicious that she was missing. That's fucked up, my guy. That's fucked up. The victim tried using a code word to let her son know that she wasn't safe, but her son didn't pick up on this. On that Sunday, the Levi County Police received a bizarre phone call from a panicked woman. She had managed to escape from the shed where she was being held with her captors when they fell asleep. With her hands still zip-tied behind her back, she was able to run safely to make a 911 call. She said she had been held captive since Saturday and tortured. Police responded to the scene and transported the victim to a hospital to treat her injuries. After a short investigation, the woman's torturers were apprehended on that Monday. In a statement released to the press, the responding officer, Lieutenant Scott Tumond, said, In my 27 years of law enforcement, this was one of the most horrific crimes that I have ever heard of. The horrific crime and the details the victims gave our detectives just make me cringe. Now, the story isn't over yet. Mm-mm. The Florida woman's assailants were on the run from the law. One had a long history of assault and battery. Alexis Crawford, 20 at the time, and Christian White, who was 30, were both booked in Clay County Jail in a litany of charges, including sexual battery and false imprisonment. I feel like my words got a little bit tangled up there. Sorry about that. I don't know why I'm a podcast host, because I can't talk. Christian is the one who had the very long criminal record, including domestic abuse, strangulation, burglary, and a number of traffic violations. Crawford and White were both reported to have ties with the outlaws. You guys know that uh, biker gang? So, you know, they're really good people if you couldn't tell. They were both held in Clay County Jail on a $3.25 million bond apiece. Yeah, that one's dark. You go back where you came from! With Hurricane Irma looming early last week, one Florida resident decided to create a Facebook event page that invited fellow Floridians to take up arms against the tropical insurgent by showing her that we shoot first. 
what started out as a joke amongst friends quickly caught on, and by Sunday, more than 50,000 users had joined the rebellion, many of whom posting ridiculous memes aimed to show their allegiance to the cause. The growing national attention even prompted a response from Pasco County Sheriff's Department, who urged residents not to fire into the storm with the fear of bullets making it back into harm's way. Even if you don't live in Florida, you are probably very aware of Hurricane Irma and all the devastation and damage that came with it. When Irma hit, I was living in Lakeland and there was severe destruction and flooding. The house across the street from where I was staying because I didn't stay in my apartment due to the fact that I was afraid I'd lose electricity and there were trees everywhere. The house across from me actually had the car in the driveway picked up by a tree. So... Yeah, there's a lot of damage. Actually, we drove around for about 30 minutes after, and my friend had a Jeep, luckily, because the roads were insanely flooded. Parts of Lakeland had to be completely shut down because you could not safely access it. Irma did some fucking damage. That's the bottom line. All right, enough driving down flooded memory lane. Gun owners in Florida vowed to respond to Hurricane Irma. <laughs> sorry, Hurricane Irma. Don't know why I said it that way. By shooting at the storm. Now, this did originally start as a joke, and then it blew up to something massive. Tens of thousands of people joined the event advertised on Facebook to tackle the hurricane. <laughs> That was heading to Florida. I'm sorry. This was in an attempt to, quote, show Irma that we shoot first. Another headline reads, Florida Sheriff warns residents not to shoot at Hurricane Irma. You won't make it turn around. <laughs> I'm serious. That's the quote from the sheriff. You won't make it turn around. Obviously. For anyone out there that's a little unsure, Weather will not respond to your weapons. That's all I got to say. It really came down to a Florida County Sheriff's Office feeling so compelled to tell their residents not to use their weapons on the hurricane after this social media page got so big that they posted and warned people, even showed an image that if you shoot bullets into this, there's like a massive chance those motherfuckers are going to come back at you or anywhere else. Sorry, by the way, I hit the mic as I was talking. It's the Italian in me. I gotta use the hands. Forget about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me continue. For the record, I was totally doing the hand motion. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up Italian hand gesture. You're gonna get it. One of the authors of this Facebook page that went viral at the time said that this was just an attempt at humor. Quote, a combination of stress and boredom made me start the event. Ryan Edwards was one of the people behind this page. He stated, quote, It was to lighten the mood. The response is a complete and total surprise to me. I never envisioned this event becoming some kind of crazy idea larger than myself. It has become something a little out of my control. Now, though it may have started as a joke and kind of blew up into something else, it still really did have a real response. And so many authorities and police officers had to send warnings that you just cannot shoot your fucking bullets into a hurricane. That's not how it works. It's not going to come strolling into Florida and go, oh, shit, they got guns. We got to go. We got to go. Turn it around. Turn it around. Pack up the eye. We got to fucking go. That's not how it works. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just not how it works. <laughs> fucking Floridians. I swear to God. Why do I live in this state? 
All new tonight, 911 emergency, an ambulance stolen. In 2018, we read the headline, Florida man accused of stealing ambulance. A patient lost his patience and stole an ambulance, according to the Lake County Sheriff's Office. Deputies say the trouble all started earlier in the day at the home of Danny Coney Sznai in Lady Lake, Florida. A neighbor called 911 reporting that Danny was drunk and suicidal. First responders showed up and took him to the hospital. The arrest affidavit said that Danny admitted to police that he got mad after waiting two hours to see a doctor, so he decided to just walk out and leave because he just wanted to go home. But <laughs> he used an ambulance as his vehicle to give him a lift home. All right, so let's see if we get this straight. This man is brought into the hospital to have his mental health looked at because he was drunk and saying he was suicidal, but because he had waited two hours, he decided, fuck this, I'm going to leave. And instead of, you know, reaching out to Uber, a taxi, anybody, just anyone, he decides the best mode of transportation is a fucking ambulance. That sounds genius. Now, the drive from Danny's house to the hospital is about five and a half miles. Investigators said that they found Danny hiding in the trunk of his car inside his garage when they went for him because, like, you know, it's an ambulance. You can't not find it. And they picked him up from his house. So where do you think they checked first? Oh, God, this guy, though, literally was in the trunk of his car, which I want to know how the fuck did he put himself in his own trunk? Like, seriously, I, I, I can't do that. Okay, I probably could, but I don't want to find out. Contrary to most Floridians, I don't want to end up in the headlines. According to the arrest affidavit, instead of parking the ambulance in his own driveway, the suspect admitted to parking it across the street in his neighbor's driveway. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, nothing to see here. I didn't do anything. I don't know how that ambulance got there. I don't know what you're talking about. He did this, though, because he was mad at those neighbors, thinking they were the ones who called the police on him earlier. Nothing like a little bit of pettiness and revenge. Although that's like not the best way to go about it. Investigators then said that before stealing the ambulance, Danny said he looked in the back just to make sure that nobody was in there. Oh, what a good guy. <sighs> Still a fucking idiot. Investigators also say that the judge put Danny on a no-bond status because he is still on probation from a 2017 drunk driving charge. <sighs> Again, Florida never ceases to amaze me. This is not like someone that is intoxicated that six to 12 hours with some Gatorade, we can get them back on their feet. Deputies say a man high on the drug Flocka tried to break into a Florida jail to visit his friends inside. Surveillance footage shows 24-year-old Patrick Rempe ramming his car through the front of the jail, shattering the glass. When he couldn't get inside, authorities say he drove into the fence outside the building and began climbing, getting tangled in the wiring. Rempe was removed from the fence and taken to the hospital for injuries. In 2015, we were greeted by one of the most hilarious headlines I have ever read. Florida man arrested for attempting to break into jail to hang out with friends. Oh, and he was high on Flocka. Now, I don't really know a lot about Flocka, but all I do know is that it had people walking around like zombies for quite some time. So the fact that this man could drive a car is a little bit impressive.
Not because of what he did, but the fact that he could still operate a motor vehicle when he's high on Flocka, I mean, come on, that's kind of impressive. Have you seen people high on Flocka? They look like they're about to fall down and melt into the earth. They're like passing out, barely holding their bodies up, and he was behind the wheel of a car. Come on. And that's not safe, but come on. Kind of impressive. Don't ever do it, but still impressive. Now, this was during the holiday times, which of course, that's a great time to like be around friends and family, you know, really be around those you're close to. Well, apparently, all of his friends were in jail. So I don't think breaking into jail is the best way to go about seeing them, but let's discuss. Authorities in Indian River County, Florida, arrested a man after he tried to break into the county jail by ramming his car into the front door and then trying to climb a fence. So who's this Florida man? It was a 24-year-old by the name of Patrick Remp. He was arrested because he ended up getting tangled in the fence's razor wire. On a side note... Owie! Remp was taken into custody and treated for minor injuries. Police said that he told them he was high on the synthetic drug Flocka and just wanted to, quote, visit friends who were in jail. The estimated cost of the damage that he did was about $5,000. Even if he had managed to climb the fence, he would have had to scale another fence and then get through a locked door at the building where his friends were housed. Oh, in case you're wondering, he did all of this with a Toyota Celica. I used to have one of those. Loved it. He ended up facing charges of aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer, battery on a law enforcement officer, three counts of felony criminal mischief, leaving the scene of a crash with property damage, and driving under the influence. He was held without bond, ironically giving him all the time he could want to reconnect with those old friends. 30 now, two guys are facing charges after Volusia County deputies say they tried to pull off Quite the bizarre burglary plot. They ended up taking several items from a DeLand home. And as News 6's Lauren Korn found out, the suspects tried to start a fire with spaghetti sauce in an attempt to cover their tracks. In 2018, we had a fantastic headline, Break the Internet. Man in bull onesie accused of trying to burn down ex-lover's house with spaghetti sauce. Ooh, things are getting a little saucy up in here. <laughs> Get it? Saucy? Spaghetti sauce? I'm gonna see myself out, sorry. A man who tried to burn down his ex-boyfriend's house with a pot of boiling spaghetti sauce was arrested along with an accomplice, according to Volusia County Sheriff's Office. I'm not even sure where to begin on this one. This one, it's, it's hysterical, it's crazy, it's phenomenal. Honestly, it's phenomenal. Derek Irving, who was 36, and John Sylvia, 28 at the time, broke into the victim's house and took a flat-screen TV, a vacuum, an air conditioning unit, and a heater. The owner of this house on Evergreen Terrace was a 50-year-old man and an ex of Derek's. The victim, or the owner of the house, who was at work, called authorities after getting an alert on his phone that his security cameras caught some movement inside the house. He couldn't see what was happening because the cameras had been covered with a towel. Deputies arrived at the scene about 7 a.m. They stopped Irving and Sylvia, who were trying to flee the scene in an SUV. 
Derek, or Irving, was wearing a bull onesie with a tail and a bull nose on its hoodie. You know, something like what you would get from Walmart, you know, like the Jack Skellington, uh, the little stitch onesies, those things. He was wearing one of those. He said he was retrieving some of his clothes from the residence, you know, so he didn't have to wear that bull onesie while he was arrested. However, when deputies checked the car, there were no other clothes. Officials then went inside the victim's home and smelled something burning. According to the report, a deputy checked the stove and this is when he saw spaghetti sauce scorching in a large pot. A washcloth which was resting on the side of the burner had just started to catch fire. In the passenger seat of the car, deputies found an empty jar of ragu sauce. Who the fuck uses ragu? Seriously, if you use ragu, I don't want anything to do with you. That shit is nasty. But I guess it's good for fires. The thing is, these guys used the ragu that was in the victim's house. They straight up took it, started the little, little spaghetti fire, you know, on the stove, and then brought the evidence with them instead of just leaving it on the counter. Because fucking geniuses. Sylvia knew the victim and said he met Irving, who he used to date for four months. Sylvia told police that he didn't think that Irving was burglarizing the home. He said that he was just giving him a ride in order to retrieve some clothes. Irving, who was on probation for a previous felony, was arrested and charged with arson, burglary, and grand theft. Sylvia was charged with burglary, arson, grand theft, and driving with a suspended license. Oh, I'm surrounded by and that is exactly what it feels like to live in Florida and constantly read Florida Man headlines. I know as someone who lives in Florida that Florida is a different breed of people and a place that you have to experience. We may have Florida Man, alligators, weird snakes and bugs. It's always hot out here and, uh, well, it rains consistently. But hey, we've got Disney World. And that's about all we got going for us, so... Anyways, guys, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. That's a whole weird thing for me to say usually after these because most of the time I'm telling you guys some really fucked up shit. So saying, I hope you enjoyed this episode always feels really weird to me. Like, I do hope you guys enjoy all the content that I create for you on this podcast, but I always feel odd saying, I hope you enjoyed this episode after I've just told you about some gruesome ass shit. So this one feels a little bit okay to say it. I do hope you guys enjoyed this episode of What the Actual F, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys on the next one. As always, if you have anything you'd like me to talk about or look into, please send an email to whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. Again, you guys can send me topics to look into, cases, conspiracies, hauntings, anything. Even tell me that I suck. I'm going to send back a, yeah, I know I do. Thanks for reminding me. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, morning, night, whatever time that you're listening to this. I hope it's fantastic. And please, don't become a Florida man because one day I may tell a story all about you. Until next time, guys. Love you. Later. Bye.